Welcome to Moonshot, I'm Christopher Lawson. And drones. We've spoken previously on the show about Amazon's plans for drone delivery, offering customers the potential to have packages delivered within minutes. And we've explored some of their competitors, like Alphabet's Wing, who are already offering delivery options in some markets. For instance, in Australia, Wing already allow customers in select regions to order actual products like food or medications. And when you think about a world of fast deliveries, it's clear why drones could offer a valuable resource for companies trying to speed up delivery to consumers. They're fast, cheap, and more importantly, automated. But there's significant hurdles that need to be overcome with implementation, such as where to land, the public perception of having drones taking off and flying over people's backyards, and also the noise involved. In fact, from Wing's trials in Australia, there's been a number of complaints around the noise generated by the drones. And the Federal Department of Infrastructure, Transport, Regional Development and Communications looked into this issue, finding that Wing's drones measured 69 decibels at 15 metres when carrying a payload. That's above the recommended levels for residential areas. But they also found that the average delivery time where the drone is most audible is just 45 seconds. And one of the problems with the noise generated is not necessarily how loud it is, because often drones are much quieter than, say, a lawnmower. However, the sound is quite different from the general noises that you have in a residential community. And that means it stands out. But drones are not just useful for delivering items to consumers. In fact, many of the hurdles faced by drones in residential areas are not really a concern in the B2B market. And in many ways, drones might make more sense for B2B deliveries, where delivery time can have a real impact on the bottom line. And one of the companies that's leading this B2B drone space is Valancey. So we started Valancey over five years ago with the idea to help uh, enterprise customers like Tesla, where I used to work at, have a means to deliver and receive uh, spare parts and supplies faster in order to pre- uh, prevent downtime costs and also reduce uh, the inventory challenges we had. That's really the primary value proposition to our customers is that we can provide a point-to-point logistics service to them, uh, given the fact that we're using vertical takeoff and landing technology and don't require any sort of infrastructure. And that will enable them to um, receive and ship parts as fast as possible and not be constrained to ground transportation solutions or the infrastructure they have at their disposal. So at the end of the day, we're providing access. uh, And and that's, I think, a key enabler for a lot of our customers. My name is Hanan Parvizian. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Valancy. Uh, we are a Bay Area-based company specializing in designing, building, and operating uh, vertical takeoff and landing or VTOL uh, aircraft uh, for commercial delivery applications. Valancey's aircraft are designed to fly fixed routes that have been established as part of a business supply chain. And they're working on multiple aircraft to carry a variety of payloads depending on the capacity and range required by their customers. We specialize in payload categories of 10 to 200 pounds and ranges of 50 to 500 miles of operating radius. Um, and so our smallest vehicle, if, if you want to call it small, it starts at uh, a 55 pound gross takeoff weight with a 10 pound cargo capacity. 
or payload capacity has a roughly nine foot wingspan. And then we go up from there in terms of both the vehicle size and then payload capacity um, with our 20, 50 and 200 series. Volante was founded in 2015, and in the following years, they demonstrated multiple scale versions of their drones, which Hanan says have been designed to scale to the various size requirements, meaning they don't need to keep reinventing the wheel. Unlike a consumer drone, where there's four propellers that help you take off, and those same four propellers move you around, Volante use these motors only in takeoff and landing. Once they're in the air, they use a forward propulsion system similar to what you might see on a light-wing aircraft. All of this results in an aircraft that can travel further distances, carry heavier payloads, and minimizes on noise. I mean, the beauty of our design and the reason we chose it is that it's very scalable. So the, the strategy that we pursued on the product side was to try to develop and test most of our software and autonomy and AI on the smallest form factor possible so that we could gain a lot of operational experience and, and a lot of testing and evaluation on a very, uh, uh, relatively speaking, simple platform, and then scale that up to our larger platforms that have higher uh, payload and range capabilities and uh, more complex propulsion systems. And in terms, of, in terms of the range of your aircraft, how does that affect the sorts of, um, the sorts of products that can be, that can be transported? Yeah, so we have what we call a family of systems approach. So we don't think there's one aircraft platform that could address every customer use case. So depending on the type of application or industry, we deploy different platforms with different payload range capabilities. So uh, our 10 series, which has a 10-pound payload capacity, starts at 50 miles of range, and it scales up there from there up to 500 miles. When customers come to us, we, we don't actually sell them aircraft. We just sell them a service, and they don't decide what kind of aircraft they, they want for the service. They tell us what their payload, typical payload and typical distances are, and then we, based on that information, choose the right aircraft platform for their delivery service. And we establish fixed delivery routes from one point to the other, and we call these sky lanes. And we fly parts and supplies back and forth from uh, from one destination to the other over these skylines. Valancey's skyline strategy is different from the challenge that you have with consumer-focused drones like the ones you see with Wing or Amazon. For Wing and Amazon, their major challenge is that you have to find somewhere to safely land the drone and deliver the customer's products. By working with B2B customers, Valancey can have fixed delivery routes, meaning they can establish safe locations for takeoff and landing, and they can make optimizations because they will learn more about this specific flight route over time. Exactly. I mean, that was one of the key um, uh, pillars of our go-to-market strategies, that if we uh, fly fixed delivery routes, we don't have to deal with all of the complexities of, as you said, a last mile delivery problem, for example, delivering consumer goods to someone's backyard, which is very complex from a technology perspective, and the value proposition is, is fairly minimal as compared to delivering spare parts for an enterprise customer. And so the way we do that is uh, because we fly fixed routes, we could also do a lot of preemptive risk mitigation. So that reduces also the complexity on, on the technology that's on board the vehicle for air traffic management and collision avoidance and everything else that's associated with that. Can you talk to me about, I guess, some of the challenges with uh, with getting 
these sort of like VTOL um, aircraft to go these these sort of further distances. Uh, I mean, one of the problems that um, that drone companies often face around uh, around range um, tends to be like weight of the batteries and, and things like that. Um, and you know, you kind of if you optimize for um, for the you know flight time, then you you know if you put too too many batteries on board then your flight time is often actually reduced not necessarily increased because of the weight of the batteries themselves um so how do you guys solve that solve that that problem i i have heard that you might use a mixture of batteries and um other fuel yeah so that it's exactly as you said so we have a separate lift thrust technology which means that our vertical takeoff and landing system is running on electric propulsion system and our forward uh propulsion system is a gas or electric system and so that allows for a lot of redundancy and safety but also uh, allows us to go these longer ranges without having to be limited to only electric powers and battery uh technology um, so we made this decision very consciously at the, when we started the company, even though we had the ambitions to build an all electric platform, we realized that with the state of battery technology and powertrain, uh, it would be very limiting to the types of use cases and customers that we could service. So we decided to go with an electric vertical takeoff and landing system that's combined with a uh, gas powered or hybrid uh, forward propulsion system that allows us to cover those long ranges. And, and I can tell you, when I was at Tesla, the main thing people were concerned about when we were launching cars was range anxiety. And you never want to have range anxiety when you're up in the air. <laughs> and we'll be back with more Moonshot in a moment. Valancey's aircraft use a hybrid fixed-wing design. It looks like a consumer drone meets a light-wing aircraft and they had a baby. And as we mentioned before the break, it's a functional design that allows their drones to take off like a multicopter and then travel to their destination like a plane. But one of the concerns that often arises when talking about drone delivery startups is safety. These aircraft are often flying at low altitudes, over people's homes and properties, they're carrying physical payloads on the outside of the aircraft, and they're doing all of this autonomously. So how are Valancey thinking about aircraft safety, and how are they implementing those safety features into the design of their system? Yeah, so we have a suite of fail-safes and redundancies built onto the aircraft, both mechanical and on the software side. So mechanical being that you have redundant um, uh, propulsion system, you have redundant control surfaces, um, and then you have uh, backup um, safety systems like a parachute. And then on the software side, you have redundancies as far as if uh, the vehicle loses communications and, and then you create a geofence for it that could um, that is pre-programmed to either then abort the mission, land where it's at, return home. Um, and there's a whole suite of these software fail-safes that we've developed to ensure reliable uh, safe delivery service. 
you know one of the one of the other concerns that that has um, happened with some of the existing trials locally um, has been issues around noise of of the aircraft. Um, what have you guys done to, I guess, like minimize the impact on on communities that you that you fly over um, with your with your aircraft? Yeah, I think um, it comes back to the the use uh, of uh, or the technology selection. So I think in, in when you look at smaller drones, uh, because of the size of the propellers and the motors and how fast they're spinning, uh, you have pretty annoying frequencies. And that's why I think people are not so happy about that. When you get to larger vehicle sizes, um, you have much more flexibility in, in playing with uh, the motor propeller sizing and then also RPM variants. And then that, that helps reduce the audible signature of the vehicle quite a bit. Um, we, for example, on, on our 10 series aircraft uh, have less than 50 decibels of audible signature at 400 feet altitude, which is almost silent. So you will basically not hear it. And um, I don't think it will be as, as invasive as a small multi-copter hovering in front of you as, as you think uh, with these larger drones. And so we're at, we're, while we are conscious of, of that audible uh, noise signature, um, I don't think that's going to be the, the key barrier to adoption for our customers. Sure. I, I guess, I guess um, in that instance, then um, the, the sort of like main potential for noise is on the vertical takeoff and landing. Once you're in the air, then that, that noise is sort of uh, you know, a lot more minimized and because you are going between like commercial um, organizations, you know, those sort of, those, those areas are potentially more likely to have noise on a regular basis than, uh, than landing in someone's backyard. Exactly. Yeah. And then it's not that they have noise. It's that because you're flying in a fixed wing format and you're flying at higher altitudes and you're not, you know, spinning electric motors all the time for both hover and forward flight, uh, you have a different noise profile and audible signature. Um, and uh, that, that's, again, another benefit of, of, of this separate lift thrust technology. One of the interesting things that, that you guys have been doing um, recently is, uh, I guess, piloting um, a, a program around distribution of um, of vaccines and like COVID COVID vaccines. Can you talk to me a little bit about about that and how um, how that works from like a distribution pipeline um, perspective uh, around the COVID vaccines? Yeah, we've actually been pioneering the distribution of cold chain supplies since 2018. Um, so we can transport uh, medical supplies and other cold chain products at minus 70 degrees Celsius or minus 9 degrees Fahrenheit uh, for uh, not only the duration of the mission, but several days after, given the load, the payload that we can carry. And that's enabled by the larger payload capacity that we have on our vehicles as compared to smaller platforms. And today we have ongoing operations in North Carolina working with our partners, uh, Merck and Biden Health, doing vaccine deliveries and then expanding into other areas uh, across the US and internationally, uh, also working towards COVID vaccine distribution. What does a, a VTOL vehicle, a drone, offer um, to the distribution pipeline that can't be achieved through tradi- traditional methods? Like, what what is the advantage of, you know, of doing of doing this via via drone? 
access. So um, that's the key thing where even in developed countries like the US, uh, where I'm at today, you have pharmacy deserts, you have people that don't have a good ground infrastructure. And when you're talking about emerging countries like Africa or Western Africa, um, you um, really don't have any reliable or good ground infrastructure systems. And so what the the technology that we're developing, we told technology and also drones in general provide is access. Uh, and and uh, not only access, uh, also expanding customers' reach. So whereas traditionally, you might have thought uh, your um, area of operations on the ground within an hour is 15 or 20 miles because you're limited to going through roads and, and tunnels and bridges and highways um, and commuting at say 60 to 65 miles per hour. Uh, here, if you're flying at 60 to 65 miles per hour and you're not constrained by um, the ground infrastructure that, that is available to you, you can imagine going within an hour 65 miles out versus just 15 or 20 miles out because you're constrained to ground uh, ground infrastructure. So it's a combination of access and reach, and that's a key, key thing for COVID vaccine distribution today. One of the key issues with the current distribution pipelines is cost. We know that air transport costs more than ground or sea transportation. But given Valancey's drones are travelling fairly short distances, what is the ROI of a company wanting to use a drone rather than putting an item on a truck? The first level of ROI isn't actually cost. So the customers that we are servicing today are not trying to find the cheapest delivery service. Uh, it's a matter of, um, as I said, access and, and how uh, they're going to either be losing money because they don't have supplies or parts that they need on their machines or their sites, or they're going to be in a life-saving situation or life-threatening situation and they need medical supplies or vaccines. So cost is secondary to the first level of ROI, which is really providing the access and reducing downtime costs. That being said, um, right now our technology is very cost competitive to typical ground transportation solutions, both in emerging markets and, and in developed uh, markets uh, or nations. And over time, as we start to scale our network and gain economies of scale, uh, on the vehicle uh, utilization rates, um, we will see also extremely cost-competitive dynamics uh, where transporting a uh, part or um, goods using drones will be uh, also much cheaper than doing it via the ground. And we'll be back with more of our interview in just a moment. Valancey's aircraft operate autonomously. They have staff monitoring the fleet to make sure everything is working as expected. And they've also got staff providing regular maintenance, like changing propellers and maintaining batteries and refueling the aircraft and things like that. But starting a new transportation system costs money. But the potential in this space is clear. So during COVID, while many companies were struggling... Valancey was able to raise 50 million US in capital, bringing their total funding to 75 million. 
But what does having a big injection of capital allow a company like Valancey to do? Yeah, we were very lucky to bring on new investors like Icon Ventures last year, uh, leading our Series B round. And as you mentioned, we so far raised $75 million in, in venture capital. And we're using that capital to uh, continue to develop our technology and scale our business, both on the enterprise side and with our government customers uh, uh, here in the U.S. and, and abroad. And uh, so that we're expanding the team quite a bit. And so if any of your listeners are uh, interested in working with us, we're always hiring. So please have them reach out to us and we'd love to uh, bring them onto the team. Um, and uh, we're continuing to develop uh, next generation vehicle platforms, uh, as we talked about, and also additional software and autonomy capabilities that will help with the automation and expansion of our fleet. What sort of, uh, I guess, like regulatory hurdles have you had to overcome as, as a company to get to where you are now and what still needs to be solved? Yeah, so uh, we've been very successful in obtaining regulatory approvals in uh, several uh, countries in Western Africa nationwide and then also been very successful at operating under Part 107 regulations here in the U.S., and uh, five, five and a half years ago, when we started the company, there was actually really no good framework for scaling uh, commercial drone deliveries here in the U.S. And uh, now over the past couple of years, we've seen the FAA put a good framework together on how they're going to enable this um, at scale over the next couple of years. And so what that entails is um, going through some of the same certifications that you would otherwise as an as an air carrier. So a part 145 certificate being the first step. Um, and some drone delivery companies um, have already uh, started doing that. Um, and then the next one is getting a vehicle type certificate. Um, you know, there are different categories of type certifications that you could get for the vehicle, but that will enable some larger expansion and use of the of the service in national airspace and then the third and fourth components are integration with airspace um, so that's an initiative that the FAA recently rolled out called remote id that is kind of like a digital license plate for for drones um, in the air and then finally um, automatic air traffic management and, and uh, air traffic control. So that's initiatives that the FAA has been running under UTM uh, to enable, uh, or um, universal traffic management to enable large scale BV loss or beyond visual line of sight operations of hundreds and thousands or even millions of drones in national airspace. And all of that I think will come together around 2023, 2024 timeframe. And given uh, you know how far how far you've you've come like in the past uh, sort of five six years um, since you started, and given um, sort of like where you're where you're planning to head, uh, what what excites you most about the potential in this sector and and the potential in what you're doing? Yeah, the vision we share at Valencia and what what I get excited about every day is that fundamentally we, we think the world around us is is designed based on the limitations of technologies that we've developed and the fact that we have to build so many roads and tunnels and highways and bridges is that we are at mass really limited to ground transportation solutions and so our mission at Valencia is to uh, democratize access to aerial transportation and mobility and we believe uh, with uh, 
that democratization of and the combination of bringing our vertical takeoff and landing technology and autonomy to the world, we'll see our ecosystem completely be redesigned, how we think about infrastructure, how we think about access and how we think about reach and mobility will mean completely something differently. So as I said, your one hour commute will no longer be for a 15 to 20 mile uh, uh, kind of distance, it will be maybe for 60 mile or 100 mile or 150 mile distance. So you could be living very far from where you work and still have the same commute into work from a time perspective uh, because you have access to a different transportation solution. So that's what gets me excited is how vertical takeoff and landing technology and combined with autonomy is really going to revolutionize how we think about supply chain and transportation and mobility at large. Moonshot is a production of Lawson Media and it's hosted by me, Christopher Lawson, and also Andrew Moon. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder, along with all the other music that you've heard in this episode. And our artwork is by Andrew Millist. If you'd like to connect with us on social media, just search for Moonshot Pod. We'd love to hear suggestions for topics that you want us to cover on the show. So please let us know on Facebook or Twitter. And if you'd like to get an ad-free feed of the podcast... Make sure you head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash moonshot. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Thanks for listening.